Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Offensive Security Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Miller, and co-hosting with me today is Falcon Spy. Today, we have a very special guest for you, Meg. Meg is part of IBM's X-Force team and works in incident response. Meg, hello. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us here. So we really want to get into all things incident response and blue team. Uh, but before we get there, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into cybersecurity? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thanks for introducing me. My name's Meg. My branding online is known as Cybersecurity Meg, completely original, I know. <laughs> I currently, as you said, work at IBM on the X-Force team doing incident response. So working like the large scale incidents and whatnot. Prior to that, I was the global cybersecurity incident response manager for a Fortune 100 company. I have a CISSP certification and some other smaller ones, my master's degree in cybersecurity, and I've spoken at quite a few international conferences on security. So I'm well apprised on all things blue team, despite the irony that this is an offensive security company. Wow, it sounds like you've done quite a bit. Um, So what, since this is an offensive security company, what, uh, what led you more towards the defensive space rather than the offensive one? That's a great question. I don't know necessarily that I was led more towards defensive than offensive. I would actually logically argue that majority of companies have the budget, of course, to have a defensive security team. So we're going to see a lot of jobs for defensive security. And I think it's a lot easier because of that to get into defensive security. And I wanted to get into cybersecurity, whereas not every company tends to have the budget to have offensive security personnel. Usually they're going to focus more on the defensive side before they mature and hire on for offensive security. So for me, just trying to get into cybersecurity four or five years ago, it was more logical for me just to go with the defensive security simply because there are so many more jobs for it. Right. Yeah. So what was the main focus for you to kind of really get into the cybersecurity field? Like what, what was the main driving like interests or like what, what piqued your interests? So I've always been naturally drawn to things that are extremely challenging or historically where females or minorities don't have a large representation within the field. So when I was growing up, I did martial arts for 13 years and ended up getting to Uh, black belts. I have a second degree black belt in Korean martial arts. And I've always just found that the things that are the most challenging and trying to get into generally have the best rewards for them. So that's really what I've found in cybersecurity. It was definitely a challenge with my imposter syndrome when I first got into the field. And there were a lot of things that made me nervous to do so. But the longer and longer I'm in the field, it's just such a rewarding field. The constant evolution of it, the people who are so incredibly passionate about it, the job security. I mean, there's so many attractive things about cybersecurity in in and of itself. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is true beyond offsec or, or beyond offensive security in general, there's definitely a disproportionate amount of martial artists in cybersecurity. It's, it's crazy. Um, I definitely want to talk more about imposter syndrome later. I think that that's a, a great topic for us to cover. Um, for now, uh, are there any desire, do you have any desires to go into more offensive learning, offensive certifications, or are you really focused on learning more about defense right now? 
I absolutely have the desire to get more into offensive security. So because I just started at my new job with X-Force, my you know main priorities are in the DFIR space, digital forensics and incident response. However, I think to be the best cybersecurity professional, to be the most well-rounded and to be flexible, it does require having an understanding of both sides of the house. So right now my focus is, you know, honing my own skills within my specialty, but absolutely, I definitely want to take the OSCP. I have a ton of friends. I am with Falcon Spy over at InfoSec Prep, the Discord server. And um, it's just a great community with offensive security and all the people who do the offensive teaming to get involved in, absolutely. Yeah. Um... Well, it's good to hear that you're kind of looking forward to doing the OCP, but um, since you are more kind of like defensively focused, you know, what kind of guidance would you give to those interested in pursuing a defensive oriented career? Like what certifications should they get? Mm-hmm. I think the best certification to kind of garner that fundamental foundational and fundamental security knowledge when you're coming from either a very general IT background or no IT background at all is usually going to be going with either the CompTIA Security Plus or ISC Squared's SSCP. So the SSCP is what you can take before you take your CISSP, and it doesn't have the requirements set in place to acquire the CISSP, such as having five years of experience and whatnot. I think both of those certifications when you're going into the defensive world or really even offensive world, I know a lot of people who start with both of those certifications, just giving you such a general broad basis to kind of springboard off of. You mentioned your own CISSP before. Uh, What was your journey like going into that? (laughs) I was very hesitant to pursue the CISSP because I attained my CISSP, a full CISSP, not just an associate of ISC squared at 24 years old. So uh, I was very intimidated by the prospects of it. I heard how complex of an exam it was just with just with the intricacy of the content. I'm sure if anyone's seen the CISSP textbooks, they're like 1,200 pages long. So it's intimidating to get your Amazon delivery and have this like 10 pound textbook that you need to study. Um, So I approached it, what I think looking back was a very logical standpoint. I tested the waters with security certifications by dipping my toes into the CompTIA Security Plus. I studied for that for about one month. It was my first ever certification. And I ended up scoring like a 97% on the exam. And that really boosted my morale. Once I kind of garnered a sense of how to study for exams, what knowledge I lacked on, which for me personally was networking, I felt like I was better prepared and had the best resources to attack the CISSP. So subsequently, after getting my Security Plus, I spent about two months studying for the CISSP, and I passed it on my first go in the quickest amount of time. So um, yeah, I was really thankful for that. It was a very long journey, but I learned so much. It was invaluable time spent. So to expand upon that, like you said, you kind of learned some extra uh, test-taking strategies, like what specific things did you learn for the others who might be listening in and looking to tackle their CISSP as well? Yeah, that's a really great question. And the biggest tips I can give are to be honest with yourself about what your weaknesses are. 
So like I mentioned, my weakness was networking. I didn't enjoy learning about it. I didn't have much hands-on practical experience with it in my job that I was working at the time. And so whenever I would get to those networking sections that I knew I needed to study, I would get a little bit overwhelmed. And I think most people, when they're approaching something that's overwhelming or they know that they're just naturally not very good at, they tend to push it off and not put any focus on it. The reality is in order to be successful with these kinds of certification exams is you need to identify your weaknesses, embrace them, and then attack them. Because if you just keep putting off the things that you know you're not the best at and avoiding it, when it comes to be exam time, you're going to get there. And because the CISSP is an exam that is adaptive, it's going to identify your weak areas and it's going to hammer you with whatever you're terrible at. So specific to the CISSP, definitely don't lie to yourself. Be honest about what you're not good at and just work on it. Um, I think another really important thing is mental health. A lot of these certifications, they require a lot of long nights, late hours. Majority of people are also balancing a full-time job or a family or getting an education. And I think it's really important that when you get to that point where you can't retain any more information, that you just kind of take a break step away for a little bit and regather yourself. Because once you get to that point where you're just not retaining anything, you're miserable, it's late at night, it's not helpful either to getting your certification or for your own mental health, really. Yeah, wow, both of those points are, are tremendous. Um, you said about about uh, focusing on weaknesses, I think is, is cogent with uh, off-sex courses as well. Many students, they'll focus on uh, the fun parts, they'll go on the buffer overflow and web applications, but then privilege escalation requires a lot of uh, sometimes tedious research. So a lot of students skip that, uh, move on to the next thing. And then when they get to the labs, it's like, oh, how do I do privilege escalation? Um, so that, that tends to catch a lot of people. Um, Meg, not only are you an incident responder, but you're also a content developer. Uh, specifically, you produce content for YouTube, I believe. What inspired you to start doing that? There are so many things that inspired me to do it that I could talk your ear off for an hour, but Go to it. summarize it in short, I felt that whenever I went on to YouTube, Reddit, Twitter, these places that proliferate cybersecurity information in mass, that minorities were really underrepresented. Whenever I was looking at cybersecurity content, I was finding that it was coming from specifically usually going to be males. And I also found that there was a lack of content that was encouraging people to who didn't have a background in IT or cybersecurity, I felt like all the content was saying, in order to get into cybersecurity, you need to do this, this, and this. And it was just so mechanical and not relatable to anyone, I think. So I really kind of wanted to become a voice. And I don't want to say the poster child, because that's not my goal. But I do want to use my platform to let people know that they can accomplish it, regardless of their age, how they identify, anything about them. There's nothing that's going to stop you if you're willing to put in the hard work. And I know it's going to sound cliche, but if you're willing to try harder, I'm sure that you can absolutely get into cybersecurity. So that's what I want to use my platform for. That's the kind of content I'm trying to develop. I just want to encourage people. I want to help them. I want to give out the information that wasn't available to me when I first started my journey in cybersecurity. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, some people really just need kind of like a starting point and the encouragement. It sounds like you give them that. 
Um, so with that being said, like, what's important to you as a content developer? Like, I know you said, you know, I want to be that platform for people who aren't, um, are, aren't too skilled or are just joining the, the field. Um, you know, like what gets you excited to release a new video? What gets me excited to release a new video is the prospect of getting to engage with like-minded people who are just so passionate about what they're trying to accomplish. What gets me excited about releasing videos is making content that people are telling me genuinely make an impact on what they're trying to do. There will be people who will say, oh, I thought because I'm, you know, 50 years old that I don't have the ability to get into the field. And then they'll go and watch one of my videos that talks about, you know, there are no limitations in cybersecurity. There shouldn't be any gatekeeping. And they'll either email me or maybe DM me on Twitter or something. And they'll say, you know, because I watched this and because you spoke so honestly about your experience and overcoming how young I was getting into the field because ageism does exist both ways. It can be about being old or being young. They'll just use what I've said and take it for themselves and make something awesome out of it. And I think that's one of the best feelings is knowing that you had an impact on people positively and you were able to encourage them and make a difference for them. Yeah. So being a content developer can be challenging, particularly when it comes to handling criticism, handling naysayers, um, what's your what's your take on that and your your personal philosophy of uh, dealing with that? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I I honestly think of myself as a very rational, logical person, and I'd say ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the feedback I get is incredibly positive. That you know, point zero one percent of the time, where it's nasty. I just try to give people as much grace and forgiveness as possible. I've learned that I don't need validation from anyone else. A lot of people, because of my age or because of what I look like um, being a young female in the field, they, for whatever reason, get upset about my inherent success. And I just, I don't understand it because I'm the person that's going to turn to the person next to me and ask how I can help them get to where I'm at. I think that's one of the best things we can do in cybersecurity is honestly, once we get to attaining our goals and reaching what we've set out to accomplish is to turn right back around, extend out our hand and make that journey easier for the person who's trying to get to where we're at. So nowadays I have just realized I don't need anyone's validation I know my worth. I know the value I bring to the field. You said you wanted to talk about imposter syndrome. And honestly, that's one of my greatest growths that I've had since I began in cybersecurity four or five years ago. They used to be very shy and intimidated. I felt that I didn't bring a lot to the table, that my value wasn't, um, my value wasn't seen by the people around me. And now that I've spent so many years working in the field, I am highly aware of the value I bring. I know that when I speak that my words make an impact on people. And I think once I learned to find that within my own self and kind of ignore the other people who really have no idea what they're talking about and just want to be rude because they're having a bad day, that it makes content development and creation so much more enjoyable when you stop listening to people. Yeah, well, well, talk about being inspired. Now I want to go make a YouTube video. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Imposter syndrome, I think, is something that, for whatever reason, multiple people in tech, and especially in cybersecurity, people people tend to be afflicted by that. Um, 
and it sounds like you had an incredible journey of, of sort of getting out of that mindset yourself. How, so if, if you notice that somebody is, is um, you know, afflicted with, with imposter syndrome, what advice would you give to somebody to try to help themselves out of that hole? Mm-hmm. There are so many things I could say, but I think some of the most notable are that everyone excels or has weaknesses in different areas. So for instance, Falcon Spy, he's amazing in offensive security, right? I'm sure I could list off 20 things about defensive security that I excel in that he wouldn't have any idea about. And likewise, I excel in defensive security. So I am sure I could list off 20 things that I know. And it's just an exchange, right? So different people excel at different things. And I think once you realize that, that you can't be an expert in every little thing, you become a little bit more humble and you start focusing on what you can really hone in on. Cybersecurity people generally are the most successful once they've decided on a subfield, like a subject matter expertise that they really want to work in. And once you find that, just hammer it, keep on it, right? Um, Stop trying to learn everything. I feel like that really leads to the burnout too and the mental health decline when you're constantly comparing yourself to the people who are sitting next to you. So that's one thing is just to realize and be very apprised that you can't be great at everything. But the other thing is, honestly, it's not even a career problem. It's an internal problem, I think, for a lot of people is realizing the value that you bring, that what you have to say is important, that you should speak up about your ideas, that the work you do matters. And once you kind of realize that and get your groove in things, I'm not saying imposter syndrome will go away because even to this day, I absolutely still have it. But I think it's... I think it's a really impactful thing on people once they start realizing their own value of the work that they're doing. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are always kind of struggling with that imposter syndrome. So it's really insightful to, for you to explain kind of like what you go through to get over it um, or at least kind of help get over it in, in whatever sense that you can. Um, so getting back to kind of like um, creating content, um, you know, as a content developer, uh, you kind of form a community around your, your brand and everything. So like, what do you feel are some of the hardships about developing community around the cybersecurity Meg brand that you've developed? I feel like gatekeeping is such a huge thing that's rampant in cybersecurity. There are a lot of people who, you know, went through the, I had to walk 10 miles backwards in the five degree weather in the snow up the hill to get into cybersecurity. And I don't know why, but those people that did that, some of them think that everyone else should have to. And that's not what the cybersecurity Meg brand is about. The cybersecurity Meg brand is how can I help you? How can I make it easier for you? I'm not saying it should be easy to get into cybersecurity. I don't think everyone should be able to. I definitely think that there's a standard of ethics and attitude and ability, but I don't think that we should be gatekeeping people from wanting to at least try to get into cybersecurity. So that being said, I definitely think there are some people who see me as, you know, the younger female who's trying this initiative to help people get into the field. And perhaps they don't like that idea of community, so they're against it. But for the vast majority of it, people are so kind. They're so helpful. They, you know, they want to help other people get into the field. And that's huge. I think it's had a really great impact so far. So Megan, Adam, I have... (laughs) I have, a, I have a take here, a point that I want to make, but I'm not quite sure how to express it. So forgive me okay. while I try to get this out. And then Meg, I really want to hear your reaction to it. 
So first of all, I think you're absolutely 100% correct that this idea of, oh, I went through fire and ice, so now you have to is, is crazy. Uh, definitely, we want to get rid of that. Um, at OFSEC, I think there's this perspective that hacking is hard and that the, the real attackers are going to be doing things with resources and with energy that uh, we as, as professional penetration testers might not have. And so to get to that level, we need to expose ourselves and our students to hardship or to struggle so that we get used to that concept because in a pen test or in the real world, you're not going to necessarily have the, um, the luxury of somebody helping you, right? It's either you hack the machine or you don't. Um, so we want to try to teach that mindset without attaching this notion of gatekeeping or this notion of, oh, too bad for you if you can't do it. Um, how do you think that a trainer or a content developer can teach that first thing? So like, how do I actually engage with struggling and, and trying hard without sinking into the second thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. And I think the best thing is for anyone who's doing any kind of mentorship or training, like you mentioned, is to very clearly communicate and express the expectations. I expect you to put in the effort, the time, the research, and to make use of your own resources and your own capabilities before you reach outside for help, right? That's a very natural thing. People should be independent to some degree and be able to achieve things by whether it's researching, looking in a book, whatever, watching YouTube. But it also needs to be explicitly clear that you can't figure out everything on your own. And it is natural and I think very normal, at least on the defensive security side, to turn to your teammates or whoever's working next to you and say, hey, I've tried X, Y, and Z. It's not working. Instead of me just sitting here ruminating over what I'm doing wrong and wasting more time on this, could you possibly share with me your thoughts and could we work on it together, right? So I think the point in time where one goes from just doing everything themselves to reaching out, I think the person needs to be made comfortable to do that. I think it needs to be clearly communicated that it's okay to reach out for help. But I also think the expectations need to be set appropriately that I do expect you to put in the time and effort to figure out things on yourself. But if you can't, you should feel 100% comfortable to reach out to me and know that I will welcome you to help you uh, figure whatever out that you're confused with. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's that sounds spot on. Setting setting expectations is is really important in, in all things, but especially when when training. Yeah. So what are your kind of what are your future aspirations within the cybersecurity field? Like what what do you want to do next? <laughs> I think a better question is what do I not want to do next? Honestly, <laughs> I'm one of those people who's constantly on the go. I keep lists, very extensive lists on my phone. I'll wake up in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m. and be like, oh man, that's such a good idea. And if I don't write it down or type it into my phone, then I'm afraid I'll lose it. Um, Cybersecurity Meg was born out of a whim. I never expected anything to come out of it. And now I'm like 35,000 people strong within a few months. So it's not anything I ever expected. I really don't have a plan for anything. I just kind of wing all of it. I'm very thankful to the amazing friends such as Falcon Spy and many others that I have that have always supported me and helped me with kind of my crazy initiatives. 
some of the things that I'm working on most lately, I just started a Discord server that really centralizes on helping people get into cybersecurity and answering some of the more basic questions, helping with career development, helping with certifications and education. I'm going to be working on a book here coming up soon, so that'll be really exciting. Um, I have my own professional endeavors that I want to reach for in attaining. I want to get my SANS uh, GCFA, which is Forensics Analyst Certification. I want to get my OSCP next year. Um, there are just so many things on the list that <laughs> I am a very busy person, but I, I like it that way, so it's quite good. All right, let's get, let's get back to this concept of uh, mental health insecurity. Um, you mentioned before, Meg, that many people tend to, they feel like they need to work all the time. Uh, and you just, you just said yourself, you, you want to go into so many of these things. And the right question to ask is, is what, what, what are you not going to do? Um, how can people sort of balance out this idea of, okay, cybersecurity is a space where it's all about learning. But I need to temper myself. I need to work in a way that is healthy for me and for my situation. Um, what advice would you have to give to somebody who is trying to walk that very thin line? Easy. Work more efficiently. Don't work harder. And what I mean by that is prioritize what you want or you need to get done and ensure that you're focusing a vast majority of your time on things that are actually going to be beneficial and fruitful for you and projecting you towards your goals. A lot of people, for whatever reason, seem to correlate putting in more hours to being a harder worker. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think the best workers are the people who are going to work more efficiently, who are going to automate things, who are going to prioritize what actually needs to get done as opposed to superfluous things that aren't necessarily going to be extremely helpful in the long run. So I think knowing what your limit is, knowing what you're comfortable working, what's best for your lifestyle, for your family and friends, and then really defining what you need to accomplish versus what you think you need to accomplish is extremely important. Okay. So like we're, since we're on the topic of like mental health and everything, like what do you do to make sure you're keeping a proper work-life balance, keeping yourself sane and not moving towards that, that burnout? Mm-hmm. So I, I will be completely honest. I think it is much easier said than done. And I don't want to stand <laughs> on a pedestal here and preach that I am some fantastic human at maintaining a perfect work-life balance. The reality is I'd say 70% of the time I maintain a great work-life balance. The other 30% of the time I work in incident response. It's a very hectic, very fast pace and extremely high pressure job, right? You don't know when incidents are going to happen. You can't always predict how late you're going to be working. So I think having that realistic expectation of myself to know some nights, yeah, I might be up until two or three in the morning working, or I might have to work a weekend here and there. And allowing that to happen is very natural. Now, I think setting boundaries for yourself, knowing what's important, if you need to go to a family event, having a very hard line to say, hey, no, I'm sorry. No, I can't work that weekend because I need to do X, Y, and Z. You need to kind of look within yourself, find those boundaries of what you don't want to cross the line of, and then stick to it. Now, for keeping up my own mental health, I think having hobbies outside of InfoSec, as extremely radical as that sounds to some people, is extremely important. They're like some hardcore enthusiasts, y'all, who basically think if you don't eat, live, sleep, and breathe InfoSec, then you're just not like a great InfoSec professional. And I'm here to tell everyone that's absolutely ridiculous. 
I enjoy so many things outside of InfoSec and I fully full-heartedly believe that when you spend time away from the computer and you go outside or you gather with your friends or play with your dog and do things that kind of enhance you and make you a more well-rounded person, you are just going to transfer that happiness back into your job. If you're constantly 24-7 in front of the computer trying to learn new things, trying to uh, enhance your cybersecurity skill set, etc., it's just going to attribute to burnout. So having that time away from the computer making sure to take a break from it and do some things that aren't cybersecurity related. I, that's definitely my number one tip. Well, on that note, we are nearing the end of our time here. Um, Meg, is there anything else that you would like to talk about today with us? I think we covered a lot of things <laughs> from defensive security <laughs> to imposter syndrome, to mental health. I feel like we covered a lot of heavy hitting topics I think if there's one thing to take away from everything we discussed was, you know, believe in your mission, keep going on your mission, but don't let it overwhelm you. Take the breaks when you need to, and you'll get there a lot more efficiently than you did if you burn yourself out. Well, that's super well said. I don't think that we can add anything to it. Uh, So with that, thank you so much for joining us today, Meg. We really appreciate it. Uh, For future podcast episodes and more information on our courses, be sure to please check out Offensive Security website at www.offensive-security.com. Thank you.